is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. For Sagan, through to the goal, tipped in front by Dodonov, stopped by Demko. They clear the rebound, but it comes back in front. An absolutely tremendous save for Thatcher Demko with the glove on Wyatt Johnston, all alone in the middle of the ice. And the fans are on their feet at Rogers Arena. Gaining momentum from your power play, even in situations where you don't cash in. Now here's Bussuter in the slot, he scores! Your say on the official home of the Canucks. Around the end boards for Ilya Mikheyev near side. Back to the line for Hironic cutting into the slot to the back door. Henderson scores! Philip Hironic sold Jake Ottinger on the wrist shot for the right circle, and the Dallas goaltender bought it. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks beat. The Dallas Stars 2-0, stifling them, shutting them out. I'm Holm Ice, one of the more impressive victories and performances by your Vancouver Canucks, defeating a legitimate cup contender. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar will bring in Brett Fesseling in a moment into the conversation, calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor tonight. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And Brett, you know, we talk about how the Canucks are trying to find an identity this year. And we mentioned how they've gotten a lot better defensively this season. They're better in their breakouts. They're, they're forechecking a lot better. We've heard opposing coaches like Andrew Burnett mention how he's so impressed by them in how they pressure both ends of the ice, which is heady praise from another NHL head coach. And I thought tonight, what's a real identity win by this Canucks team? They played exactly how they want to play as a, as a five-man unit. Their special teams were strong. I know the power play didn't score, but PK was strong. There was really, there were not, there wasn't a single passenger tonight, and I can't really think of a better game in terms of playing to your identity tonight. Maybe the third a little bit, Dallas started pushing, but outside of that, it's hard not to be impressed by how they played this evening. Yeah, and, and Dallas pushed in the third, but I actually found that kind of impressive too because not a lot happened in the best way, in the best sense possible. We, we are meticulous in our notes, and I looked at one point, I was like, I haven't written anything down in the third period. Yeah. Literally, Bash looked at me, and I was like, this is how you know they're playing well Yeah, in the third, and he had no notes written down yeah, on yeah. the third period. Like, they just kind of locked it up. Nobody took extra risk. Guys mm-hmm. got it out. Like, you know, there was a, there was a little point there about five six minutes in where maybe they were sitting back a little too much. Dallas got a little, but for the most part, it was pretty methodical defensive period by Vancouver to just stifle the opponent. Really, so it was good. We talked in the second intermission about someone like Pew Suter, who all evening just felt like just poking the puck away, poking the puck away, whether to gain it back or at least slow everything down and let your own team get back in defend with all five players in line and ready to go from whatever alignment they want to go. And it was just an evening of that that it's almost staggering to look back and like, yeah, nothing really happened, but you, you do this time and time again. It just, it, it's hard to generate offense when you constantly have to go through five guys. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what opponents, coaches are yeah. mentioning. They're hard to play. I think that's exactly it. There's just not a lot of easy chances mm-hmm. for the other teams. They need to earn it on both sides of the ice. And you're just not seeing those kind of lapses where it's like, here's a free two-on-one or here's a free whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. They're just not getting easy opportunities. Or have, and then you get a team that's played three and four nights. Yeah. 
you play those games, it's going to be exhausting to try to get opportunities. So I think they did a really good job. Well, and they're pressuring really well. And that's the thing you guys mentioned too. But, you know, the one guy who's epitomized that, he was rewarded again tonight with the goal, scored his first goal of the season in San Jose, is Pew Suter. And you talk about having the layers of depth too. You have the top six, of course, the way Pedersen and JT have gone. Teddy Bluger is a big miss. I think when he comes back, he's going to add another real important layer for this team, especially in that bottom six. But the way Pew Suter has been able to not only hold his own defensively, but now we're starting to see some of the offensive impact come. He's finally being rewarded with some plays. But I can't think of a Canucks player who epitomizes constantly pressuring and getting sticks on pucks and getting sticks on sticks and then any other forward than Pew Suter this season. Yeah, he's just been consistent. Yeah. Kinda- I don't want to. I don't know if I could say two-way player, but on the on the offensive four checks yeah. and energy and skating and getting deep and getting that pucks back, those bucks back. I, I would say, yeah, he's been a really like effective two-way player, and I feel like maybe I'm wrong. You guys would probably know more, but he hasn't. He's had a little mix of different Garland's been in, yeah. different. Didn't, he's had more wingers, I think, than the the rest of the group, and he's just kind of been that consistent player throughout it. You know, it's interesting to, to use a phrase like 200-foot player because you, we would traditionally say, like, okay, high event on one side and yeah. then low event defensively, but it's also built in the context of what they're playing like, right? So it's great to be, like, 200-foot player when when someone like Suter's taking care of the defensive end and then scoring now in the offensive end in the moments that arise. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. And the man we're just talking about, Pew Suter, standing by outside the Canucks locker room, joining us now after an impressive 2-0 win. Pew Suter gets a game-winning goal, scoring the first tally of the night tonight. And Pew, thanks for joining us. You get your first tally of the season the other night in San Jose. A huge goal here tonight. It must feel good to finally get rewarded for a lot of the puck pressuring you've been doing so far this season. Uh, yes, no, for sure. Uh, you know that's uh, nice to get the rewards. Finally, took a while, and uh, you know we got a lot of pucks back on the forecheck. We just couldn't really do much without with it, and uh, so now we hold on to puck a little bit better, and we're gonna get more chances like that. Uh, what's been happening you, for for you here recently, especially in that neutral zone? Feels like the last handful of games, winning a lot of in, a lot of individual battles. What's leading to that success? And just mentally be uh, be ready and uh, you know work hard. We've been working hard the last two months and uh, it shows now and we just got to keep doing that. Do you feel like tonight was the game where you guys, I mean you guys have had some really good, strong games, but from start to finish playing to your identity, do you feel like this was one of the better games you've had? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we just we didn't give up much. You know, we were blocking shots, we were putting it behind their league, doing a good job on the forecheck and uh, so yeah, I would, I would probably say that was one of our, our better games, but uh, you know, Hopefully, got a lot more uh, like this coming. What do you feel like this team's identity is becoming? Uh, just a hardworking team, you know, making plays, but always, uh, you know, make sure we're above guys. We're not giving up any easy chances to make, uh, you know, the other team work hard for their chances. Uh, you know, you don't want to give up easy, easy chances, easy goals, and uh, that's what we've been doing. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask, too, about how your defense is playing. It seems like uh, the, 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 your team is really finding some good pairings as well. And, you know, on the goal that you scored, Carson Susi makes a good play at the blue line, standing it up, getting the puck up to you. You get it over to Joshua, and the puck comes free. But how effective has that blue line been recently in getting the puck up ice and also defending well? Yeah, you know, it, it's huge. You know, you get, you get more chance like that. You don't have to defend all the time in your D zone. You have more energy to go on a forecheck. And uh, so we've been doing a good job standing up and also just being connected with uh, all five guys so we don't have uh, leave any big holes uh, in between 
Uh, Pews, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on your goal and also the victory, and best of luck on Monday against the Oilers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you got it. That is Canucks forward Pew Suter. And he mentioned there, Brett, connectivity. You mentioned that earlier. There's a real connectivity to how they play and just the layers of support they have, too. We see it on the forecheck. We see it on the back check. If one guy gets through, there's, there's a second guy coming down and, and offering puck support either support to break a play up or puck support to help you get a chance in the offensive zone how hard is it and how much concentration and focus does it take to be able to play that connected throughout a 60-minute game yeah, it's about trust. It's it's kind of trust that the other guy's going to do his job and recognize it, or guys are going to help out, but not not run out of position to do it. I think what the Canucks have been doing really, really well is those mm-hmm. D-men down pressure and keep pucks alive for sustained pressure, and you get that either winger or center coming out behind him and supporting. Right. So I think this is in the offensive zone. In the offensive zone, I think that's been huge. So I mean, yeah, exactly. Just working off each other and filling holes allows guys to be more aggressive. Close time, close, you know, those gaps amongst the offensive players. So I think it's been really good. Even just defensively, like in their own zone, um, like everything just feels uh, quick. And, like, rotations or even when they get on the puck. Like, Friedman, to me, tonight was a great embodiment of this, that rather than wait for the the, the play you might want to make, take what's available and just do it quickly. And everyone can read off of you if you're making the first read. Now suddenly everyone's playing fast off of the first play. There's, there's just no stoppages uh, in their own zone. It's just very quick and get out of it. Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. And then not only are they making that first pass quick and going, but the other players are able to realize or read that he's going to make that first play. So right. they're yeah. so they're beating, you know, their second move, they can read that faster as well. So that just No one's looking for the second window of a pass or something like that. Exactly. There's this guy's not waiting is he going to make that pass or not. It's like, okay, there's the open pass. He's going to make that one. I'm busting here. I should be open for this guy. So it just feels like there's that kind of domino effect of speed almost. And this is is not the fastest team, but they've been playing fast and how they move the puck and their effort in terms of skating and getting to their spots. Like Phil DiGiuseppe is not the fastest player, but Bick and I were talking about this earlier just in between periods that you, you see just how quickly he reads the play and how quickly he gets to his spot, whether that's being an outlet, being aggressive on the forecheck. It doesn't, you don't always have to be the fastest guy. It's how fast you think and how fast you act as well. Totally. And he does that so well on the forecheck. And he's really good at getting the D-man stick. That's one thing I've noticed with him. Right. He does this. I don't know if he pokes it or he gets the shaft, but he kind of kills those D-to-D passes. And that allows Miller to jump on mm-hmm. the other D-man. And there's this kind of wounded duck coming over. And Miller usually hits Besser in the soft spot. How many times have they done that? They're mm-hmm. doing that like two, three times a game. That was probably Canucks' best opportunity in the third was Besser in the soft spot. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're playing fast and reading off each other, and it looks fun. Yeah, that's the thing. It, like, it feels like every, every time someone makes a, a, a strong play along the boards or something that you know swings the, the flow of play, Okay, the next line comes out and it's like, okay, what's our version of that? And you know, like that's the element where it does look fun that plays like that are infectious all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Like ten minutes left, it was uh, the Lafferty line down low yeah. with Friedman and Cole, and they hemmed him in, and they yeah. were getting opportunities, and Cole was down the wall and foot. Like that's when you're, you know, that the guys on the bench feed off that. Those are guys going out in a big game with ten minutes left, and they're carrying the play to Dallas. So. That's that's exciting throughout the entire lineup. 
one thing you can quibble with is the amount of high-quality chances the Canucks are, are creating. Now, this was a game where both teams were playing such a mm-hmm. stifling style. There wasn't a lot there in terms of high-danger chances, five-on-five. Five. But you see the difference in quality at times. Like, Philip Peronik makes that pass to Elias Pettersson, did no look uh, to, to get him open for that goal. It's just the moments, too, you're seeing from their high-end players, and we'll see how much they sustain it, obviously, but you keep a game close, you stay in it, and you play smart, you can let your stars take advantage of moments, and that's what happened. Yeah, I think they've had... They've been pretty good offensively when, like, obviously those top four or five guys mm-hmm. are very creative, mm-hmm. high-end skill. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Is The more you can stay in these games, those guys have the ability to turn, turn games quick or score goals or make those gaps up. So if that system keeps them close in every game... They have the ability to get in there or win it late. I feel like that just goes back to trust where you're talking about. Now, you're talking about trust in between the five guys on the ice and knowing what to do. But even just as a principle of, hey, like if we if we just stick around, our star player is going to get a chance at some point. And here's Fronick sets up Pedersen. It, it, like that's the thing. It's, it's like they're not really trying to cheat for offensive opportunities. It's, it's wait for the moment that will arrive at some point, and can you now execute in that moment? And, and like today, it was Hironik and, and Patterson in that spot. Yeah, that was an amazing pass. That was, was an incredible I, pass. And it, it was good, and it was a good... So the Canucks, I forget what line was out there before, but they had a good cycle shift. Mm-hmm. Dallas ices it. Vancouver can answer with yeah. with that line, and then that turns up to be Hironik out on the blue line. Dallas is gas. Guy can't front him early enough. He gets to walk. Yeah. Right? And that creates the whole thing. So that mm-hmm. that's the whole thing of of just every line kind of having this identity and grinding teams down. And that's that's what comes of it. PD takes advantage. There was a bunch of moments, I think, throughout the course of the game. Because usually when we talk about coaching, it's, it's um, hey, is this guy, is the coach motivating? Are they playing the systems? But there were moments tonight where, you know, Tockett would put out um, McKayev and Lafferty 4 on 4. Just go burn the legs, yeah. and they got lucky because the penalty ended right when they iced it. And it's Duchesne and Sagan out there, and so out go the the star power play against Duchesne and Sagan after they're chasing McKayev and Lafferty around. And then you mentioned that one. It, there's an icing. Out go, mm-hmm. go. There was a lot of moments like that throughout the course of the game that the coaching staff you know, tried to uh, get their guys in very advantageous spots. Yeah, and I think if the entire team's playing the way they are playing mm-hmm. – it allows the coaches to be more advantageous in those right, moments, yeah. right? So it kind of feeds off feeds off the whole thing, keeps going. Before I let you go, how about Thatcher Demko? I mean, I will say somebody texted in and said, give Ian Cole credit for how he cleared the net and how well he played defensively. And there were a lot of moments where there were scrambles. He boxes his guy out, gets the puck out. So clearly a lot of help for Thatcher too. But that huge save he makes, was it on Matt Duchesne he made the save on? Uh, no, Wyatt so Wyatt Johnson, Johnson sorry. Matt yeah. Wyatt Johnson comes across, robs him. Maybe the game is different if that goes in. And they didn't need him to be great tonight, but when he needed to be great, he lived up to it. And he had another magnificent performance. And Al Duel, Jake Ottinger, who's another star goalie on the other side. Yeah, I was actually really impressed with Ottinger. He yeah, made he's a couple really good. stops. They showed those replays where... Uh, Quinn Hughes was taking power play wrist shots yeah. in the first, and he was reaching around guys to grab pucks. He was looking on the on the blocker side and grabbing on the glove yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was very impressive. And then, yeah, Demko makes the big stops when he needs to, and it completely, to me, yeah, that, that first period save completely changes the game. It's just like, yeah, you know, a team coming into their third game of four nights, like, oh, man, this is going to be so much harder now. Right. You know, this is deflating. Uh 
Brett, great stuff as always, calling the game, man. It's a lot of fun having you here as well post-game to chop it up and talk about this team. And, you know, there were times last year where it seemed like every night you started coming in, another loss, another <laughs> loss. It's a tough goal in the year. This year, it's quite the change. 8-2-1 and one now. It's just the vibes are different. So much more fun when a team is in it and looks like they have a real chance this season. I know. So much positivity. I was trying to say at the end, like, I don't, I don't know what to do with so much positivity. But it's been really fun, and it's exciting. And I know... We're all to the point where we're not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay, can... so, so let me ask you. Yeah. Because we're going to get a lot of texts and be like, hey, they beat a, a, a Stanley Cup contender. It's real now. Now, again, third and fourth nights. But at what point do you do you look at and say, okay, this is real? Yeah, I think we're at a point now where you're like, okay, this team, I can consider this team a playoff team or at least on the high end of the wild cards, right? Right. They might have been considered a wild card team that's, bought into the system and played the team and elevated themselves to a legit kind of playoff type mm-hmm. team. Like, if they play like this, I can't imagine they don't make playoffs. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, right? Like, I think the conversation starts to become the more they win, yeah. and not to say they're a cup contender, but how good, instead of talking about are they going to make the playoffs, it's how good of a team can they be? Can I, they be a team that, yeah. can they win a round? Can they, can they make, yeah. make life difficult against an, a, a real contender in the postseason? A long way to go, but the more they win, that's how the conversation starts to change. It feels like the conversation before would have been you're, you're fighting for the 8th seed and maybe you're a 10th seed. And now suddenly it's, well, maybe you're a 5 seed kind of in the West and, and clawing for 4, basically. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it feels like. It's it's a, a jump up within the conference, what it means in the, the league and everything like that. I, I, like I, I'm still waiting until American Thanksgiving. Yeah, for I, sure. I mean, that's a good Yeah, I think that's a good spot to, to, to kind of measure it. But, like, I, I don't begrudge any fan that's like, hey, I, I, this is awesome. Hey, like, enjoy it. It's been some tough yeah. years here, man. And 8-2-1, and one, which which matches their best start in franchise history through 11 games. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've, they've had 17 points two other times through the first 11 games. And that's where they're at now. I mean, not to say, you you know, 500's a bar to be at. But we talked about, given how hard it's been for this team to get through the first 20 games of the season, my thing was, I'd love for you to be 20, you know, have 25 points or 26 points. But at least have 20 points. Can you at least be 500 by American Thanksgiving compared to other years where you're, you know, 10, 12 points behind the pace? And now, I mean, they're three points from 20. And they have nine more games to go until the American Thanksgiving mark. And that's how you start putting yourself into a position where you know not only do you look at the playoffs but you look at yourself as being a serious hockey team yeah and i think they are a serious hockey like they're they're playing well and they've transformed the way they play like the the transformation in the system and in the defensive zone and the purpose the guys they brought in were are so like they're they're they fit so well yeah they're very role specific and they they're playing the roles to a T and they're committed to them and that fits in the system well. So it's exciting times. I think that I think they're a really good team. I think they've got over that is this team good or not? They can be a good team for sure. Now it's just staying healthy and and keeping it going for 80 games is a long season, right? Yeah. So um I don't know. I I, I want to enjoy it while, while it's here because it's, it's been really fun, and it's been really fun to watch. It's been good hockey, which has been really nice. And I think that's it's not just about – and, yeah, people can talk about shooting percentages and everything, but as we just outlined, it's the structure they're playing with, the effort they're playing with, the connectivity they're playing with, and that's something that certainly they can carry forward. Brett, great stuff as always, man, calling the game. We'll look forward to the next time we chat with you, which will be next weekend when the Canucks are on an Eastern road trip.
and we'll see how they keep going. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. Uh, that is Brett Fesseling calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor tonight in a 2 nothing Canucks victory. Thatcher Demko getting the shutout. And, Bick, we are going to get to the phone boards in a couple of minutes here, but a lot is popping off on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. A ton of excitement. This one says, exactly, they're 94, they're 94 point team with a very hot goaltender in terms of how they're playing. I, I think it's beyond that. Now. I know. I think the point is they're 94 point team with a very hot goaltender. So how much do you push that up? Are you a 100 point team? Because you have a hot goalie, you can get a higher above that. I think that's where you can start looking at if they keep this going. Uh, 650, 650, knock in the six. Uh, Demko, Vesna quality. Yes, it's early. Having to Smith as a backup is showing what a rested Demko can be. It's incredible. He should have two shutouts in a row. Let's go, Canucks. Go from Nuck in the six, 650, 650. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, Demko thoughts coming in. Uh, Canucklehead in the Kootenays. Uh, they are starting to make me a believer. Loving the effort on the defensive end. And uh, Alex and Coquilla, I'm already trying to uh, pick out some awards. Uh, what are the Canucks' four award winners? Petey for Art Ross, <laughs> Hughes for Norris, Demko for Vesna, and Tockett for Jack Adams. This team's buzzing. That Where? one is from Alex and Coquillum. So no JT for Selkie? He shut down Rupe Ooh. Hintz tonight? No? It's not happening? Hey, we were going to get into that at some point this evening. I know. <laughs> All right. William and Langley says, looking how the Canucks played against the Stars and the Rangers, two elite teams in the league, if these guys are playing like that by December 31st, I'd say they're ready to hang out with the big boys in the playoffs. That's the most fun I've had in the last two years watching this team. Let's go, boys. William and Langley. People absolutely buzzing on our text inbox. We'll get back to that as well as the show goes on here. But let's hit the phone boards and we'll start things off in, with Paul in Coquitlam. Paul, thanks for calling in, pal. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Good, man. Good. So, uh, obviously, super happy with how this season has started. They've been playing incredibly well in a lot of different ways. But I think the one thing for me that uh, tonight kind of, uh, I guess, shocked me a little bit is so they were up 2 nothing with three, four minutes left in the game. Dallas pulled their goalie. And normally, over the last five years, I've been conditioned to be kind of on the edge of my seat because the Canucks always seem to be in a massive panic in the last few minutes trying to protect a lead against a good team like that. And it's just everyone's counting the seconds down to hopefully they can, they can hold on. Tonight, I wasn't like that at all. I was just sitting back because they seem to have it under control. And I don't know, I wasn't even really worried about it. And at the end of the game, I was like, man, that is a really refreshing feeling after however many years of just expecting them to mess it up in the last couple of minutes or or whatever when they had a lead. So anyway, that's kind of what I wanted to say. Um, And just before I go, I want to give a shout out to the San Jose Sharks. Two goals tonight for the first time in however many games, uh, you know, good on them. So they're they're hopefully uh, things are looking up for them. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That is Paul in Coquitlam calling in. Rough go for the Sharks, man. Very rough go for the Sharks. Who cares? I'm just saying rough go for them. They just lost no, I know. 10-2. This, I mean, we haven't seen a team be this bad in a very long time. Since the 60s. That's the last time a but team you know gave up 10 goals in a row. You just focus what's happening on your own product. It's just it, notable. One thing, it's one notable. thing if the Cox were bad, it's like, oh, you know who's got it worse? It's like, it's like whatever. You know what? I can't fault. That's a California problem. Oh, you know what, Big? No, I, I disagree with that. So many times early in the season, the Canucks were the butt end of every joke. Now people are like, oh, look at that team going through it. That's all. You can you can do that. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. Your team's having success is what I mean. But they're just laughing. You're allowed to laugh at things around the league. It's you can okay. enjoy what's happening to you. 
Well, you can enjoy multiple things at the same time. Enjoyment is a change you want to see in the world. Just focus on your team. My team's having success. I don't have to rain on at someone else's parade. Uh, That's a coward's way out. Maybe the other fans won't do it to you then later. Who cares? Don't (laughs) worry. Have fun. Enjoy the moment. Uh, Exactly. uh, Enjoy the moment of your team winning. Yeah, and they're just out of town scoreboard. That's like saying, look at the out of town scoreboard. The Canucks. If you're going to the playoffs, who cares what what else anyone else is doing? Well, I mean, the Oilers lost, and we talked about the Canucks taking advantage. Now they have a 12 point lead on the Oilers, and they have a chance to play them on Monday. You can go up 14 points. On them. We talk about that. Nobody thought the Sharks were serious this year, though. Bick, they lost. They gave up 10 goals on, on back-to-back games. Something that hasn't happened from the 60s. I, th- I think it's okay to bring it up and laugh about it. <laughs> Keep the thoughts coming in on our text inbox, 650-650. We'll take one more phone call here before we hit the break. 604-280-0650. Let's go to Surrey, where Raj is on the line. Raj, uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys. How are you? Um I'm actually going to go see Demko tomorrow. He's doing an autograph signing. So oh, I'm excited good. about that. Yeah, and uh, honestly, he's been in great form. I think the biggest reason why people counted us out before the season, they looked at our decor and they thought it was really weak. I think Susie and Friedman and Oliver and Cole, all of our additions have been really well thought out and worked out really well. And I think uh, I, we break out really well nowadays. We used to break out really badly the last couple of years. But since Quinn Hughes has the puck on his stick so much and the defensemen are not panicking, they're holding on to the puck and they're making the right decision. And today you could tell, especially when they were holding down that 2 nothing lead, they were making the right breakouts and they weren't being too risky with their plays. They weren't getting intercepted. So I think that's a really working in their favor. I'm really happy with their defensive structure, even though their defense is pretty weak if you look at the other defenses in the NHL. But that's about it, guys. Hey, Ra- hey, Raj, thanks for the phone call. And I'd say right now the Canucks defense is greater than the sum of their parts with how they're playing, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. I mean, and to give credit to Tyler Myers, how much more in control the contained has he played the last, like, five or six games, to be honest? Absolutely. It, it, soon as he and Susie have gone together, uh, they've really played well. I, I, Every game, Carson Susie just does a couple of things. You know, the, the play that sets up the, the Pew Scooter goal, that's just a... Uh, Smart play at the blue line, hard play at the blue line, and, and puck goes out and it kickstarts uh, this offensive opportunity. And, you know, we, we mentioned Mark Friedman earlier. How many minutes do you think Mark Friedman played tonight? Like, he was noticeable. Uh, but uh, let me guess 15? Eight. Mark Friedman only played eight minutes tonight? Eight and a half minutes All tonight. Right. Right. Took 13 shifts. Um, and it just winds up being like Tyler Myers, here's play 16. Uh, Carson Soucy. Uh, Clock's in at 16.46. Ian Cole uh, sitting there just shy of 19 minutes. And, and yeah, to me, it's like, yeah, that's well managed. And Hronik played 25, and Quinn Hughes played 25 as well. And you know, we're talking about like moving the puck quickly. Like Mark uh, Friedman had the puck on a stick for 23 seconds. Ian Cole, 34 seconds. It's, it's, just, it's just on quick. your... It's on your stick, off your stick. And again, just to, to contrast what that means, like Quinn Hughes usually hovers around two minutes. He's at 2.57 today. But they're making quick decisions in their own zone uh, to, to Raj's point on the phone line. Just Everything just looks clean and, and, and nothing looks delayed. And, and Tyler Myers is a credit to that because he, him tonight, 39 seconds on the puck. 
usually you know Tyler Myers is willing to to dust mm. the puck off a bit and try to make a, a different play, but it's like everything's just fast right now for him. And a lot of that comes from the forwards helping out too. How we talk about the forwards being available, that they bust their butt to be available by the blue line along the boards, help the breakout, and we see that as we talked about before with Brett Festerling, so many layers and support to come out of their own puck and how they're staying connected. So it goes beyond just the defenders; it's how they're playing as a team, the five man unit, which we talk about so much and a, and a very impressive win by the Vancouver Canucks. 2 nothing over the Stars. We'll hit more of your text messages and more of your phone calls, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett after the Canucks blank to Dallas Stars right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Faceoff comes to the left of Demko in the Vancouver zone. Won by Duchesne. He feeds the line for Niels Lundqvist. Left circle, Tyler Sagan threw it to the goal. Tipped in front by Dodonov. Stopped by Demko. They clear the rebound, but it comes back in front. An absolutely tremendous save for Thatcher Demko with the glove on Wyatt Johnston. All alone in the middle of the ice. And the fans are on their feet at Rogers Arena. Heroics from the Canuck netminder. Yeah, pretty incredible to stretch out here. But yeah, you see it right off the bat. They try to get a puck to the net, and that's just chaos. Canucks are kind of spread on the ground. It goes right into the slot, and Demko makes a sprawling save. Thatcher Demko, the save of the night, maybe the save of the season so far, helping the Canucks blank the Stars 2-0. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to hear from the head coach, Rick Tockett, coming up. In just a few moments, we'll take some phone calls as well. But, Bick, before we do that, let's check in on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And boy, oh boy, are fans excited tonight. Absolutely, and why not uh, with a, a shutout performance tonight from Thatcher Demko. Uh, again, keep coming in with the text, 650-650. Great to see the Canucks consistently fighting for pucks, a, a theme that we've mentioned uh, throughout the course of this postgame show. That one's unsigned, 650-650. Uh, this one, the first part of the game, the top sixes canceled each other out. Goaltenders, two. Bottom six was the difference, not so earlier in the season. An exciting development for me. That's helpful come playoff time. Uh, it's unsigned as well, 650-650. And uh, this one, uh, Chris and Quinnell, when was the last time we had this physical of a decor? After Quinn, all five guys bring their sandpaper. So many star bodies flying around after any scrum near the net. That's Chris in Quinnell, 650-650. Yeah, that's a good good observation. The, the defense is certainly stronger. We're seeing it. Ian Cole obviously gets a lot of that credit. But I think Philip Hironik as well. We talk about the pass he made, but also we talk about how to the point the texture is making. They're stronger. They're also a lot better at boxing out and checking sticks in front of the net. And I think Philip Peronik, when he's at his best, he has a lot of good moments like that. There were some moments tonight where he's battling guys net front. He's boxing them out. He's making sure that he's not losing those individual one-on-ones. And for a guy, I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but he's fairly strong. But that, that's what makes him such a good all-around player so far for Vancouver. There isn't an area in the game where he's really lacking. The first thing on the scouting report is always going to be his puck-moving ability and the heavy shot and the, the offensive ability he has. Yeah. But it, there shouldn't be an omission of he doesn't engage physically on the scouting report. It, it, it has to be part of the equation. And he's willing to in front of the net and... Uh, 
it also is is there times where like there was a moment today where you kind of let a, a player get on the flank on him yeah but rather than over chase let Thatcher Demko handle that I'll pick up the body in front of the net and there's not going to be a cross ice pass there's not going to be a rebound champ because I'm locking this guy down I think it was Duchesne in front of the net mm-hmm. that he just took away and said Thatcher that guy on the wing is yours yeah and sure enough like Demko can handle that and you know when he's out challenging it's the net so big or so small for these shooters and Demko's so big and you just see like you have to have that trust and like, hey, I'm going to go do my job and seal this guy off. And and Ronick does a great job. And then you throw in Cole, Susie, mm. and and like Myers is is a tough to handle in front of the net. Like he he, he does throw the lumber a bit sometimes, and it's unpleasant to be there uh, when Susie and Myers are, are, are putting their body on the line uh, and, and and making guys earn that space. Just didn't give up a ton when they were on the ice tonight. And just in general, too, Myers, you're asking less of him. He's been far more effective in doing those things as well. But, you know, you look at Philip Hironik tonight, there wasn't a player on the ice who controlled player better than he did. I mean, he was on the ice 5-on-5 for 75% of shots for. So 75-25 was was the shot percentage differential when he was on the ice versus what the Dallas Stars were doing. So it tells you how well he was controlling the game tonight for your Vancouver Canucks. And honestly, you know, we mentioned this during the intermission, but for all the talk about the additions they've made, and Lafferty's been a good addition, of course. We talk about Cole, we talk about Susie, Pew Suter even. But the biggest bet they made was on Philip Ronick. Mm-hmm. They give up, give up a first, give up a second. And 11 games into this season... I don't think there is a lot you can quibble with. And, of course, he's not a perfect defenseman. You know, he's not a number number one defenseman. But when you look at the quality he has and how he's elevated the blue line with his presence, it's been a major, major coup so far. And, again, the highlight is going to be that play, that pass. A a very skilled player to make a very skilled play. No look pass to Elias Pedersen, draw Wyatt Johnson out towards you and pass it right past him as well. So... Yeah, and that pairing has really kind of pushed itself to another level. So big credit to Philip Pronick. And, you know, Parms texted in, said, I went to the game tonight. What do you guys think about the improvements they can make if they're working the phones at 8-2-1? and one? Is it a partner for Hughes? Do you move Pronick to the second line? And honestly, I, I just, at this stage, with the way they're playing and the way they get the best out of each other, why try to fix something that isn't broken? Until you're forced to change it, I don't think you change it. And yeah. so far, nothing's forced your hand. I do think this team is still very active in trying to improve the blue line. Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned this before, like they wanted to add depth. They did that with that with Mark Friedman. They want to do more. And Ethan Bear obviously is, is an obvious one. I thought it was interesting hearing Elliot Friedman also mention, though, even beyond adding Bear, they're still looking. And even up front, they want to add some more. You know, And I think as much as you know, we feel excited about what the team is doing, 8-2-1 and one so far, I think the organization still sees where they can improve, and they want to improve, and that job doesn't stop. It's just the reality of the cap and where it is right now. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to pull those things off. But I think the Canucks would love to add one or two defensemen if they could, depending on Ethan Bear and what happens. And, and I think they'd love to, if they can move Garland. And I know people are saying, give Garland love. Guy was a pest all night. Somebody else texted in and said, I didn't think Garland was good tonight. Get rid of him. You're getting a bit, bit of different when it comes to Garland. But we all know that in terms of moves, to answer the question, to be able to add, they have to subtract, and that's one guy. But again... It's hard to make moves. You may be, I wouldn't say stuck, because it's not like you're in a bad spot. So you have to wait till January. You might, yeah, you have to wait and, and for that to open up, and it's going to be a little bit still. It's the same as last year, right? We, we, we kept sitting here saying, like, you, you just have to allow the other 
teams to accrue cap space. Yeah. And once there's enough flexibility, what was the stat last year that there was only four trades before January? Uh, or eight trades and four of them were with Vancouver. And they're all it was less, less. Than a million. So up until the Bo Horvat trade, four out of five trades were involving the Canucks, and every single one that involved over a million dollars involved Vancouver. Yeah. It was a Dickinson trade. It was the Ethan Bear trade, and they made a couple minor moves as well up until that point. And then the biggest move, but any money that was made, was the Bo Horvat one. Mm-hmm. And the Canucks made that in late January that year, I believe it was. But so so you, like you just gotta wait. I I, I know that. Yeah. It, we're all trying to do the puzzle, and you, you want to race to finish it, but. You kind of have to wait till January for for enough enough teams to finally be active enough to be able to move enough money and and, and really use the create the the creativity of, of what the the salary cap can allow you. But you just need a little bit of space. Yeah, this texter says when, selling futures for the present wouldn't shock me. Is what one person said. It wouldn't shock me, but I don't think they're looking to to move significant assets. We saw them move a fifth for you know um, obviously Lafferty. Lafferty, who's. I wouldn't say he's a rental necessarily, but he's a UFA at the end of the year. Casey DeSmith, UFA at the end of the season. But if they're trading a significant asset, whether that's a good prospect or a higher draft pick, I only think they're doing so for somebody they believe they can have under control. Like a Philip Ronick. Yes. I, I, th- I think that's the style of move yeah. that I'd be okay with signing off on. You know, we, we, we're, we're always fearful. We're like, oh, careful with the first-round picks. Not that I think they're going to trade them tomorrow. Yeah. But if, if come February, they're still in the mix. If you make a similar style move where you get someone with service years, that's the type of deal I can live with. And, you know, I was, I was I happened to be looking at that today anyways. Um, and, and you go through it, it's like not a lot of the trades where teams are getting like four or five years of service years, or do they wind up looking at it and saying like, "Yeah, we really regret this." Yeah, there's there's really not a lot. Yeah, um, and the ones that have clearly failed, I think you can look at and say, "Yeah, you shouldn't have gone out and got a David Perron or a Milan Lucic at the wrong time, right?" It's it's, yeah. it's like you can tell which ones Calgary when they went and acquired Travis Hamonic. You probably don't need to give up a first for that style of player. It was first plus, wasn't it? It was first couple of seconds, but yeah. it was like that's one like like there's some of those that you probably want to avoid, mm-hmm. but. I think the ones that are obvious kind of stand out. Like, yeah, you, you, you would give up a first for that. You're kind of looking for, like, the, the JT Miller version of the trade here. Yeah. Well, and Hironic in some ways, that's how mm-hmm. he, he – and especially yeah. if he keeps growing into this role and playing bigger minutes and, you know, it takes that another step, then obviously you're cooking with something there. Uh, we'll get back to more of your text messages, and we'll take more of your phone calls. Uh, but before we do, we mentioned the head coach, Rick Tockett. Here he is meeting with the media after a 2 nothing win over the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I mean, it's two teams that have been on a bit of a roll kind of game. You know, a um, little bit of everything. You know, great goaltending. I mean, the state's got some good goaltenders with Demko and Ottinger and uh, Hellebuck, boy. Uh, uh, but anyways, Denver was unreal. Their goalie was played great. Um, yeah, it was kind of a back-and-forth type of game, but but I think it was a structured game by both teams. I mean, there's a few mistakes by both teams, but I, in all, I thought it was a well-played structured game by both teams. How about the structure that your team showed in the second period in particular? Felt like they didn't generate a whole lot, and obviously you get a couple of goals. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been our identity is kind of squeezing, you know, um, trying not to give a lot. And when they did, obviously, Denver was there. They're really good at um, tip pucks and shot passes. They're they're probably one of the best in the league at that. thought we were pretty good at, but, um, you know, when you play a team like that, high quality, you got to really buckle down, and we did. 
With a tight game like this, two great goalies, how big of a lift does it give your team when Demko makes a save like he did against Wyatt Johnson on that first power play? On the, their power play? Oh, yeah. He was, like I said, he was unreal. You know, but, but I, so was, um, Huggy had about four chances and Hottinger, I don't know how he saved them. Like, there were two C and I, like, so it's both goalies played great. That, that second period, was that as a sort of impressive a step up in terms of you guys taking pace, like taking over the things that, as you've seen? Yeah, I, 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 I think the second period is something that we've really talked about the last, well, all year. But, uh, you know, when you play a quality team like that, um, you know, and they, they do some stuff that some, you know, they, 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 they have some stuff that they do. Pete DeBoer is a smart guy, so we were ready for a few things that they did. But in the second period, uh, it, it kind of sets yourself up for the third for sure. The power play doesn't come up with a goal tonight, but it looked very dangerous, created a lot of open looks. Uh, you've kind of got a coaching by committee approach to it. How much of that is all those coaches having input? How much of it is the players coming up with ideas themselves? Yeah. Um, you know, really, it's uh, when Sergey's in town, me and Sergey, and I got the twins handle the second unit. Yeah, it's, it's a committee. Um, but they're, they're, they got... They got some good. I love the meetings when I have a, you know when I meet with those guys. They have some good points. Um, I thought tonight we had some great looks. There's a lot of movement. I love movement, I, and I'm seeing that. Um, we had some, like I said, Ottinger made some great saves. We're missing that on a few, but yeah, you, you don't always have to score in the power play. But when you have possession time, you can see our bench. It lifts your, you know, the you next know, shift, right? Um, the guys find juice when we have good power plays, and you know, obviously, this for a lot of years, this team's had really good power plays. And on the other side of special teams, the penalty kills seem to be pressuring in pretty much every zone. Uh, was that about as good as the penalty kill has played so far this season? Yeah, I, I don't know what the stats are for the year, but I've, I told you guys I like our penalty kill. You know, we've had some unfortunate, you know, there's three or four, five on threes this year, some goals. But I think structurally, I think um, we've done a nice job. You can ask Demmer. Demmer's really liked what's in front of us, in front of him. Not giving that cross seam pass, backdoor stuff. Um, we're letting him play half the net, and um, so the PK has been. You know, I think it, if we continue this way, we'll start. Our stats will start to climb. You put Dakota Joshua back in the lineup tonight. What did you like from his game? Seemed like he was more engaged physically, and did he respond well in in your mind to the healthy scratch from the other night? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I got to look at the tape. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we, listen, he's a big guy. We're playing a Dallas team that's. You know, they play a playoff heavy style. We need guys like him to win battles and get to the net. What did you make of the hit by Cole on Duchesne? Do you like to see him jumping up and exerting himself that way? That was a momentum. Uh, I, the whole team, that was a big lift from our team. Um, Kohler's, I've seen him do it before many times. Hell of a hit. And uh, fights for the team. Yeah, that was a, it's a big thing for us right there. The whole, the whole bench was up after that. And we started to play even better. So... Those things help help a team. Uh, Ian talked about Ian Cole. That has talked about uh, protecting the crease today. How did you think that group did against a Dallas team that, like, man, they crash that crease every time pucks going towards it? Yeah, I think they're one of the best at shot passes uh, and tips, um, and they got a few. And it's um, it's impossible to, to 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 defend them all the time. I thought they did. I thought our team did a really nice job, and uh, Demmer had to make some big saves. But when you have a, a, a high end. Uh, tip team like them, you know, obviously Pavalsi is one of the best in the business, but they 
that's Pete DeBoer. He's really good at teaching that shot off, you know, that strong side defense, shooting right off the the, the, the pass, hitting sticks. Uh, that was part of our game plan. You got to get under the sticks, and you you can't just stand beside a guy. Um, and that's something that we talked about all. You know, that was our game plan today. With the power play, that first unit's getting you know a minute forty five out there, yeah. moving the puck extremely well. Are you seeing enough shots from her? You like the way they're moving the puck? What do you think about the power play? Yeah, no, I, I thought we had some good looks, some good shots. Missing that, you know, the odd time Sergey was talking about, we might need a little more traffic. You know, sometimes when you're feeling it and you get a lot of movement possession, sometimes we leave the net when, you know, when somebody shoots from the point, they have somebody in front. If I had a, the bone to pick, that's maybe the one little thing, that a little bit more traffic uh, on some of these shots. When you get a lot of possession, you got to be careful. You don't leave the net. Compared to last year, it seems like your team has cut down a ton on rush chances against, especially the on-man variety. Um, do you think most of that has to do with managing the puck better? I'm just curious why you think there's been such a drastic improvement there. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I thought the last 30 games we were, we were half decent. We cut. I, I know it was bad, but I thought we cut. We, we made the, the the switch last year. I thought we got better, and uh, just commitment. You know, guy, not being selfish, not diving in. You know, I think that obviously the Nashville game here, we were diving a little too much, and that's where the odd on man rushers come. Um, the one thing I love about this group is if they make mistakes, or you know, it doesn't go their way, or we don't like what happened, they get back on board the next day. You know, you know whether it's in practice or the game, that's a sign of a good team. You know, it's it's when you put you know efforts of you know the odd man rushing turnovers two three games in a row. That's when you get in trouble, and I haven't seen that this year. You know, we've had you know we've had some periods. We you know we we all don't like the players will tell you, but we've got back on track, and that's a testament to the leadership group and the guys in the room. And uh, I give them a lot of credit for doing that, hundred percent. And overall, in terms of sort of defending leads, um, you yeah. know, before you had arrived, it seemed like the team didn't have a lot of confidence in that area. Yeah. wasn't a lot of composure. Uh, how much? How much do you think the team has grown in terms of their poise in those types of situations? And do you feel the the confidence that when you when you guys are up a goal or two in those situations, especially against a good Dallas team, that there's a higher confidence level? Yeah, we talk about it constantly. Actually, the start of the third, I thought we were back. I, I don't like us backwards skating. We were trying to, you know, the guy would get it. We'd just dump it out. And we don't want that. We want to press. We want to press smartly. But I think when we start to backwards skate, that's when we get in trouble. So we want to press up, skate forward to defend. And after that three, four minutes, we, we recognized, we talked about it on the bench, and then you saw guys doing what we wanted. So I, that's the one thing we just got to continue. We don't want a backwards skate. We don't want to give up the blue line. We don't want everybody back in. And I thought um, there a couple of minutes early in the third, but then we got it back, So which is, like I said, credit to the team. Talk before the San Jose <coughs> game that that might be a game that you know would be a trap game, yeah. something you guys would overlook. What can you say about your group by not only not overlooking that, but also – not not getting uh, too happy with yourselves uh, coming in and playing yeah. a tough Dallas team. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things, like how do you handle prosperity and all. So we, 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 honestly, we, i got to give guys credit. I know I keep saying it, but every day is a new day. You know, we got to earn our day. You know, be careful we don't read our press clippings, all that stuff. You know, we got to try to be even keel. Um, you know, that's the sign of a good team, right? Uh, whether it's... You know, having a game like San Jose or, you know, having a bad game and coming back, it's the same thing. And it's, you know, we're an even kill team. And, uh, you know, a lot of hockey games left. We're going to be tested even more. So we have to handle these ebbs and flows of the season. And right now, we're, things are going our way. Just, you know, some things are going our way. And we got to make sure that we 
deal with the stuff that doesn't go our way too. And uh, it's going to happen. It's 82 games a season. Just got to be ready for it. Is a guy like Ian Cole kind of one of the guys that kind of helps with that back there, being around, be a veteran guy? Yeah, that's why you know it was a huge uh, acquisition for us because he doesn't get too high or too low. <clears throat> you know, he's been there before. You know, even though you know it's a big win, he's he's the guy in there. He's, he's happy, but he's like this. You know, he, there's none of this. You know, or if we lose a game, you know, he's not hanging his head. So he comes to, to work every day as a professional. He's been in these big games, so he. You can talk to Hoglander and Dakota and all these guys that have never been in these type of games that, you know, don't get too high and low. You mentioned, you know, every day is a new day. Yeah. You're going to have bumps in the road coming yeah. up. Do you think you guys are sort of mentally prepared? You're going to be ready for when those come? Yeah, up? I do. I do. I think we're working on it. I think uh, the communication with our coach staff with the players is uh, is immense. Like, we, we do a ton of it, you know, uh, Sometimes we don't do enough. We don't, we don't do team meetings. We do individual stuff or groups, and I think it's important you do that, and I think that's the learning lesson. Um, and I always feel the key to coaching is let the player say it. Like it's not, you know, I don't have to tell them. Let You get you get it out of them by them saying it, or they tell their peers, I like that. Instead, it's always the coach, the coaches, the coaches. It's nice that they're saying it. You know, we can't get too high. You know, we got to do this, we got to do that. So I'm hearing a lot of that. Hopefully that continues. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 2-0 win on home ice over the Dallas Stars. And, uh, you know, we were just talking and joking, Vic. It, it seemed like he was trying hard to not praise his team too much. And he said some positive things. There, there was a quote there where he was just talking about, hey, like, signs of a good team. And he went on a, on a great detail about that. And then all these follow-up questions about individual players. And you could tell he's like, i got to rein that pull the reins back a little bit because he did say as a group hey like this is the signs of good teams yeah. like they're doing these things and then i think in that last quote the last answer you heard him just talking about like the the players uh empowering themselves to try to manage the message that it doesn't always have to come from the coaches like i think those are the things that when you hear that like that's that's rick talk at praise yes it is you're right it, you know at fast eddie gregory was texting me and he was saying is this talk or belichick you know do your job and, and yeah. keeping it very much about the focus on the team instead of individuals and don't get satisfied it was a great quote quote he said every day is a new day you have to earn we have to earn our day mm-hmm. that means every day you got to earn what you got to do and i think that's a great model i mean i think for anybody is a great model to live by but he said even keeled but they will be tested it's a long season ahead I think that's going to be the biggest thing for this team is continuing continuing to get better, but also how they handle the success, how you handle motivation. Can you get yourself to that level of intensity you need when you have bank more games, when you are winning more hockey games? Do you see some slippage? And so far, the coach has really changed his tune on the team. He went from talking about challenging them, mm-hmm. you know, be professionals, and then now he's talking about... Who are we to think we can do that against anybody? Like, who are we to think we're anybody? Yeah, and that was... Two and a half weeks ago? Against the Flyers. And now he's talking about professional, business-like yeah. attitude. You know, we have a professional approach. We have a business-like approach. The tune is changing towards what they are. Now it's about maintaining and evolving that even more. But it has been very impressive, especially tonight. I mean, it would be, I imagine, to your point, Vic, it was hard for him not to gush tonight because they played a really good hockey team and they stifled them tonight. 
Like that's that was a really complete, impressive effort. Yeah, that's what Phil from Moncton is saying. Six fifty, six fifty. This was a league-wide statement game, shutting out Dallas and playing structurally well. The team gained a lot of league recognition. I'm elated. Uh, I think a lot of people will be looking at the Vegas Colorado score and be like, "That's the league-wide statement game." But nevertheless, Phil from Moncton, I, I see what you're saying. Six fifty, six fifty. That's one super impressive win versus a top team. Haven't seen the Canucks break the puck out like this in a very long time. It's uh, a lot of the sentiment coming. And a lot of praise for Rick Tockett as well. Of course, yeah. A lot of praise from Rick Tockett. Uh, I saw one on Twitter from Mike saying, I love Rick Tockett. I love this team. I'm invested. And somebody texted in. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, from Bo, are we talking enough about Adam Foote's influence on our defense? Because you will hear the coach Tockett often mention a lot of that has to go to, to, to foot. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. how he's handling the defense. He's really hands-on with it. So I do think it's a good point by Bo. As much as we're praising Tockett, it seems like his staff, and especially Adam Foot with the defense, mm-hmm. is certainly getting through as well. Yeah, certainly. Now, you know, when, when you're in the lead position... Uh a lot of the praise is going to come down to you, but it's it's a reflection of the entire coaching staff, right? L- look how much success the goaltenders have had yeah. here the past couple of years. So Ian Clark is is like that part of it should, should get a lot of credit. Um, and on and on, it's like you start adding to the coaching staff and you throw in the twins here, and like it's like everyone shares their rewards. It just it's easier to see Rick talk it. It is. I, I get it totally. <laughs> we'll get back to more of your text messages. Let's get through a couple phone calls. We've had people waiting patiently to get on. So let's start with Aiden in Nanaimo calling in. Aiden, thanks for your phone call. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, so man, I was watching that or watching that game, and I just love the effort by them. Thatcher Demko. God, he's incredible. Like, that's the only words I got to describe that goaltender. He's, like, the best goaltender. He's, he's, he keeps them in that. They play Dallas. Dallas is such a good team. They rock that game. They're 8-2-1. I love the start. Um, now, they play Edmonton. Edmonton loses again. Rough start for them. But you know what? Like, just one game at a time, they just build confidence and stuff, working up. I think this team's just going to get better, honestly, and it's kind of hard to say they'll get better in the future continuing down the stretch, even though they're playing so good right now. I just see the team getting better. I see right now the team getting to a playoff spot and going in a deep run. Honestly, I just I just love it. That's all I really got to say. Um, yeah, just... All right. Um, yeah, really good. Good. Great stuff, Aiden. Thanks for your phone call. Aiden's excited, hyped up about his team. Says not only will they make the playoffs, but go on a run. So that's the hype fans are feeling. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's take one more before we hit the break. Let's go to Ladner, where, where we have Tarn on the line. Tarn, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? What's up, boys? How are you doing? Good, man. Great show, man. Great show. Thank you. Okay, man. Yeah. I'm going to reiterate what I said last week, man. We finally have a coach who knows how to coach our players. Rick Tockett has a system in place. He's got his Hall of Fame players, his coach, Foot and Gonchar, who's won a couple of rings, and fi- it's finally showing up. Why are people, like, people like, before the season, oh, my God, our defense licks, or Myers, blah, blah, blah. Myers is freaking looking good. But why? Because, our, because Tockett and his system is making us looking good. Man, we, I'm not saying we're going to do anything great. Man, we are playing great hockey right now. Why? Because our system is in place. We finally have a system in place with, that we didn't have before Willie D. Think about it, boys. We never had before. AB came in. We had a system, defensive-minded coach. Yeah. We got him through. 
talk had came in. Watch, he's defensive minded, but once he lets EP go, which yeah. he's already the heart, he's going to be an Art Ross trophy winner, hopefully. Man, we are going to fly. And I'm already calling right now. Mark it down. Western Conference Final, Canucks. Mark it down. <laughs> I love it. Mark it down. Mark it down. It. Western Conference Final. We're not, we're not winning the cup. Western Conference Final, Torn from Matt Wallace right now. All right, well, I'm marking it down as we speak. You got it, man. Hey, Tarn, thanks for the phone call. That's Tarn calling in from Ladner. Hyped up. I, I, Aiden, Aiden said they'll go on a long run, and then Tarn's like, I take it one step farther, going to the Western Conference Final. The I'm, hype. Uh, I, I'm making a spreadsheet of, I'm calling it market downs. Oh, I so, like it. Yeah, there we you, go. You can add, uh, Bick, is, Bick has spreadsheets for everything. <laughs> Like I'm not kidding. He has spreadsheets of videos and clips he puts out on Twitter, and, and it's like something for every situation. So, hundred uh, percent. Western Conference Final. Tarn and Ladner. All right. So you can add. You can add it in. Uh, Fast Eddie texting in and saying fans are getting fat and happy. So. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. Great take. Uh, Eddie texting me here uh, as we stay in touch with the station back at the studio. All right. Uh, Greg and Burnaby says, talk has these guys playing like a team again, support all over the ice. Who knew? I love systems and structure so much. That's uh, Greg and Burnaby. And, and to the point, you know, Tarn was making about when a team plays that way, you give yourself at least a chance to play to the level of your talent. And that's at least what they've done so far this season. Yeah, 650, 650. Uh, this one, too, came in earlier. What's going on? Canucks playing above their level because of coaching? Or are they, or did they play below their level the last couple of seasons? Uh, you know, a bit of column A, a bit of column B. But, you know, we've had this conversation, too, about, like, the importance of coaching. And it's easy for us to just go, well, the most important thing is – is the players and then the GM and, and the coaches just get relegated to last. And I've always viewed it, it's, it's, it's three shared principles. They all share 33% of the success. Obviously, everything has to come down to the players, but I, I think we've overlooked how important coaching is in, in modern hockey. And I don't even just mean uh, like strategy and, and structure and all that sort of stuff. Just the ability to connect with players. Yes. Now, the strategy stuff is important, but... The ability to connect with players and then get them to adhere to how you want to play the game. Like I, I don't think it's a surprise. It's a surprise to see the Canucks having this success with the way Rick Tockett engages with with players. Yeah, I don't think it's a surprise what's happening in Boston right now. Like they lose Patrice Bergeron, they lose a couple of players, they have injuries, and it's like, here they are nine one and one. Like, I think Jim Montgomery's a fantastic coach. We've tried to throw dirt on Tampa Bay. It's, here they are, 5-3-3. Three, and three. John Cooper's kind of doing this thing. And I know it's a big leap to say, you know, Rick Tockett's like those guys. But I think the teams that have really good coaches are always just going to be okay. Yeah. They're, they're just going to be okay. And so far, through 11 games, like it's that to me is the big story. Is yes, Elias Patterson's taking a jump. Yes, Quinn Hughes is taking a jump. And those guys deserve a lot of the credit. But having another checkbox in this organization of the coaching staff is doing really well, that to me is a huge story. Because Rick talking every time, it just feels like he's playing the right notes. Now, it's easy to play the right notes when you're 8-2-1, and one, but it's not as if he didn't say a lot of the right things at the end of last year, too. It's been very clear what the message has been from day one and consistently through last year and the offseason training camp and to where we are today. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. We'll hit some more on the other side. Uh, people are marking it down, too. We'll get to what they're marking down. And when a team has success, Bick, it's about people that aren't getting enough credit. We have coaches people are texting about not getting enough credit. We have management people are texting about not getting enough credit. We have players people are texting about not getting enough credit. So we'll give all the credit in the world on the other side as a Connect Central post 
post-game show rolls on after a 2-0 Canucks win over the Dallas Stars. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Corona plays it behind the Dallas goal. It rolls to the far corner. Mason Marchment after it there. Battling with Garland and Pugh Suter. It's a free, a huge hit by Ian Cole. He absolutely ran over Duchesne. Marchment challenges him. They drop the gloves. Ian Cole comes around with a right hand. Marchment plants a couple of right hand uppercuts. Then Cole tackles him to the ice, and the linesmen get in to separate them. As Ian Cole stepped up and ran over Matt Duchesne like a freight train on the far boards, and the fans are loving it at Rogers Arena. That was a momentum. Uh, I, the, the whole team, that was a big lift from our team. Um, Kohler's, I've seen him do it before many times. Hell of a hit. And uh, fights for the team. Yeah, that was a it's a big thing for us right there. The whole the whole bench was up after that, and we started to play even better. So those things help help a team. You know, Rick Tockett loves when players defend each other on the ice. One of the toughest players to lace them up in the National Hockey League behind the bench for the Vancouver Canucks as they win. 2 nothing over the Dallas Stars and Ian Cole. He's getting a lot of love on our text inbox. Huge physical presence tonight, blowing up Matt Duchesne and then taking on Mason Marchman as well. One tough opponent there uh, for the Vancouver Canucks on the back end. And we have a lot of reaction here on the Canucks Central postgame show, Bick. Uh, Jeff Rowe says, what a start. As hard as it was to catch up last year after the horrible start, it will be harder to squander the great start this year. Ryan and Shimanis love the Canucks team play. They're passing puck possession. It is miraculous. Demko shut out too. Uh, Ryan texting that in. So Thatcher Demko getting a lot of love and Vic, you know, and people are also pointing out there are a number of people that should also get their respect and dues for the Canucks' good start to the season. It's nonstop, man. Um, you, you name the person, uh, someone's willing to praise them. Hey, guys, Cole, Hronik, Susi, biggest difference makers this season, in my opinion. Huge upgrade over last year. Don't overlook these changes. And it's been the thing a lot of people have called for. It's like the defense at some point needs to get turned over. Yeah. And you need to see a, same, a new version. Well, we're getting a look at, like, four new players here. Yeah. Uh, they use done the business uh, so far with uh, Friedman you want to throw in there now mm-hmm. minutes reduced for Mark Friedman but still got to be effective in those eight minutes you, you can't be someone that's uh causing goals uh, against and Mark Friedman has done nothing of the sort since jumping uh, with the team no, absolutely this text says you guys talking about the Sedins and foot and they are doing great jobs preparing preparing guys for every game but you guys forget about the one goalie coach, Ian Clark, that's helping out Demko these past few years. So Ian Clark also getting his. We didn't forget here. Ian Clark. I mentioned him. No, no, I know we, we did. And somebody texted in and said, "You guys have to give credit to Heronic and Hughes and how good they've been." We we did right off the bat. But hey, keep those coming in, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I get it. Like people are hyped up about what everybody's doing and they're giving a lot of, a lot of love to uh, what's happening here f- to this organization. Up eight two and one, the record now through the first eleven games, which ties a franchise record for points through the first 11 games and that's pretty impressive what the Canucks are doing now obviously a lot of people texting in and we'll get to some of the market downs as well because we got a lot of that stuff coming in we did get one text message a bit earlier and there are those that are wondering all right yes they're eight two and one but 
this is a run that's going to be hard to sustain, is what a lot of people mm-hmm. say. They point to the PDO, which is the combination of your on-ice shooting percentage and your save percentage. And if it's over 1,000 or 100, however you want to kind of look at it, then usually it means there's extra luck factoring in. Usually you get to 100 mark. But the Canucks lead the league in that category now. People are pointing towards it. And, of course, I mean, the Canucks are on pace for 126 points right now. Probably not going to be a 126-point team, right? So there will be some natural regression. So this person texted in and said, the Canucks are more likely, aren't they, to miss the playoffs and be a lottery team to sustain their PD because of their PDO. I disagree with that because, number one, just because there could be a regression doesn't mean you regress back to the mean or below. If you have a great goaltender like Thatcher Demko, your on-ice save percentage could be higher than norm. If you have finishers like Elias Patterson and other guys the Canucks have, you can have a slightly higher shooting percentage. Obviously, there will be some level of correction. Their their point percentage is 772 currently. I mean, even if you're at like 650 or 660, that's a great number to be at. So that's how high Vancouver's at right now. That's going to come down. But I think... People are assuming that when that comes down, they're going to come down and, and, the, and the roof's going to cave in and, and they'll be back to the old the Canucks. The same percentage again. will go to like 82%. That's not necessarily the case. And based on how the Canucks are playing, I see their game improving. We saw it again tonight. So, yes, there will be some regression, but I don't think it's going to be to the level where this team all of a sudden is going to look like a team that doesn't belong in the playoff race. Like, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I, I think there's measures that you can look at that, that provide short-term projections for regression but you know we kind of do this every year where it's like well Ovi's shooting percentage was this and it's going to slip and he's not going to score at the same rate and then he keeps kind of doing it yeah it's it's like good teams ward off the regression i I think if you did the pdo look at at, over the course of 82 sample and every season you'd look and say well which teams made the playoffs are all the good pdo teams well yeah they are there's indicators that suggest over the next three months it's going to slow down for the Canucks. That the PDO is going to come down yeah. to 102, 103, 101. It's going to happen. Everyone gets pushed towards the middle. But even within then, are you still able to get results? Yes. And that's the thing. It's I, I don't... I, I don't see Thatcher Demko suddenly playing like a 830 goalie. So if he's playing at 910, yeah, your shooting percentage might come down, but you're still in these games. Well, what I mentioned on the postgame show last game was you're not going to see these 10-1 wins a lot. I mean, we, jokingly, we said we're not going to see a lot of 8-1 wins, mm-hmm. and nine games later you're winning 10-1 against uh, the Sharks, which comes with a bit of an asterisk because it might be the worst team to give up 10 again tonight. So you're not going to be scoring 10 a lot this, this season. But I see this team, and we saw it already tonight. I mentioned the other night, you're going to see this team win a lot more one-goal games. Low-scoring games, 3-2 games, 2-1 games. You'll see a lot more of that. And well, Seth, the three losses this year, OT, one goal loss to Tampa, mm-hmm. and then a no-show against Philly, and they lost by two. And there will be games they lose like that, but I can see them also, yeah, you're not going to have the different, like, they're not going to be on pace for 400 goals or whatever no. they were on pace for, but do you start winning the closer games more? Because, you're again, tonight, there wasn't a lot of chances going one way or another. The Canucks stars stepped up. Pew Suter took advantage of a, of a good bounce that came free to him in the slot, and that was a difference in the hockey game here tonight. So if you can win these types of games, like I don't, like yes, the shooting percentage because you know they scored two goals, but I don't view this as a oh big PDO win. This was like a, a professional good win, low scoring game that you won. You play like this, you can start banking wins no matter what. It's really just the Wyatt Johnson play. They look at it and say like that's Thatcher Demko being exceptional, but 
what, he's not allowed to be exceptional one play a game. Yeah. Uh, there was the shorthanded chance in the second period where right in front of his net, uh, we're tied to Landry. I just had a sheer work ethic creates a, an offensive opportunity. And, yeah, Demko's pad is there to make that save. But special players do special things. Mm-hmm. And... You know, more often than not, like good teams are going to have good PDO because they play good defense and they capitalize on the chances. That's kind of what happens. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights have the second best PDO of five on five in the National Hockey League. They just dusted the Colorado Avalanche tonight. But last year, I, I've looked at that. I think it was twelve of the top thirteen teams in PDO all made the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So again, good in the short term, it matters. It's like even, as people talk about shooting percentage as well for individual players, there are players that are so talented they outperform yeah. the norms, and right? good teams are always going to lead in PDO because they don't give up goals. Yeah, well, 100%. Now, it's very high for Vancouver. But, yeah, last year, the PDO leader, believe it or not, believe it or not, was the Boston Bruins that yeah. had the best record in the National Hockey League. And there were, let's see here, how many teams had over 1,000 on their PDO? Uh, it was pretty much every playoff team, more or less. Yeah, I, I think I think the, the, the 16 playoff teams were all... Uh, top twenty in PDO. Yeah, it's like all yeah, all sixteen teams. So there were about twenty teams over. Th- yeah, sixteen teams over a hundred, and all of those made the playoffs. Yeah, and look, the, the people are right. Like it will regress, and it will mean that the Canucks do not win at a seven seventy two win percentage. <laughs> yes, but a like, hundred points is sixty percent win percentage, or sorry, sixty percent points percentage. Mm-hmm. Can they be a a six ten team? Can they go for one hundred and three points? That's kind of the conversation now. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think that's where it's at. Mike in downtown Kelowna analytics is fine and good, but it doesn't track hard of a team. The Canucks have hard, and that speaks volumes compared to pencil pushing dorks tracking every stat known to man. So no, Mike I, in downtown I, I, Kelowna I don't like that. is pushing it hard. No, I get. I it. don't like that because it, it's it's valuable, man. It's valuable. <laughs> I get. It. I will say though, I do agree with the notion of we look at the shot metrics and they are I, th- I think that they're used as gospel too much like I see all the time it's like yeah. oh, lo- look at the possession metrics this team's not good and it's like well there is more context than just mentioning that okay remember earlier this season I just don't like using it as a trump card be like uh, oh yeah, this I guy's disagree. 48.9% and this guy's 52.3 that's why my it's like Really? Like your whole basis comes down to 4%? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jen says, call me a rookie, but what is PDO? Like I mentioned, it's a combination of your team's shooting percentage and your team's save percentage at 5-on-5 or any situation. And like we mentioned, if those combinations are over 1,000 or 100, however you want to view it, or even one, if you want to look at it that way, then it usually means that you have some extra luck going your way. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to have a lot of luck, and that it's only luck-driven. It's also talent-driven oftentimes. So uh, that's where that is. We mentioned marking it down. A lot of people are marking it down. Alex, oh, should I be it up here? You should be getting ready here to, for some markdowns because uh, Alex from Chilliwack, plan the parade, mark it down, mark it down. That's Alex from Chilliwack. He wants to be marked down. All right. Tarn and Ladner and Alex and Chilliwack, you're marked down. Yeah, we'll see if the And Mike from Surrey has been quiet. Mark it down is what somebody says. Yeah. All right. Mark down. Mark down. Uh, Tyler says, but does Bic have spreadsheets for its spreadsheets? Hashtag jokes for 60. Uh, look, you don't know how sad my life is. So <laughs> I, I, I'm pleading the fifth on that one. <laughs> he might. That means yes. Anytime somebody pleads the fifth, that means they don't want to give you the answer that you want to hear. They know they have to give it to you. Um, Austin and Langley says, you guys are not getting enough credit. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. We haven't done anything. Shout out to the people that text in and, and say, like, hey, great show tonight. We, that's, 
That's you giving us credit. Yeah, we'll take it. We, you know, we just don't spend a lot of time reading all the positive texts. Uh, Steve, Steve-O and Sandwich. I'm fat, I'm happy, and I'm loving this team's compete and attention to detail. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Uh, great stuff. Bernie Buchanan, sure, we finally have a system in place, but more than anything, we now have a bona fide leadership group led by Captain Quinn that is committed to a winning culture. That's something the coach has been really talking about a lot, Big. He mentioned it again tonight, and he's been saying Ian Cole, but he also mentions their leaders, the top guys. They are parroting his message to the room oftentimes. And that is such a big improvement on what we've seen in the past. And it shows that there's there's belief in the message. Like you're getting people to be your disciples to some degree, where, where they're willing to pass it on. They're willing to hold others accountable within the team, hold themselves accountable early in the season. But I think that's a very, very encouraging sign for this team moving forward. Yeah, you got to be able to carry the message and and treat everything as you know, one direction, everyone pulling on the same rope. So, okay, what's the message from management? What's the, manage- the, the, the message from the coaching staff? And and, the, and this is why I kind of mentioned the coaching thing earlier of why it's so important because, you know, the, the players, their touch point daily is the coaches. Yeah. They don't sit with the managers every day. They might, see, might not see the management for weeks. And to be able to carry the message as from an organization alignment you kind of need the, the leadership group to be like middle management mm-hmm. to say like, here's a directive and you got to send it to the workforce. And it, it's a tricky balance of play. But right now, like the way Quinn Hughes is stepping into this role and, and there's a lot of focus on it because he's the new captain. Uh, I, I think it's very encouraging. Every time Rick Tockett kind of shouts out the, the, the senior uh, leadership group saying like, Hey, I, I can trust these guys right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you're seeing the players come through in a massive way right now. And, you know, somebody else texted in too and said, uh, our stars being the stars is something that wasn't being talked about enough. Uh, I can't remember who texted it. And with so many text messages, I'm kind of losing track of some of them, but I thought that was a good point too, for all the talk about the additions, the biggest boost you could say in terms of, productivity has been their best players have been very serious to start the season to your point they're they're parroting the message and they're holding guys accountable but more than anything else not only are they playing good hockey and clean you know dedicated hockey they're also producing at a very high level all three of those guys like amongst the league leaders in points right now uh that's the statistical end of it but you know jt miller was fantastic against the rupe hints line tonight uh, he's kind of doing it on both ends right now. Yeah, Selkie Miller. No. <laughs> All right, uh, having a lot of fun on the text uh, on the text inbox and the post game show. We'll continue on the other side. We'll get to Ian McIntyre as well. Canucks win two nothing over the Stars, and more coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportnet Sportsnet Radio Network. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks breaking back in. McKayev dumps it down the near wall. Ryan Suter plays it behind his own net, but only as far as Elias Pettersson in the left corner. Pettersson rims it around the end boards for Ilya McKayev near side. Back to the line for Hirona, cutting into the slot to the back door. Pettersson scores! Sold Jake Ottinger on the wrist shot for the right circle, and the Dallas goaltender bought it. Then he swept it over to Pedersen, left wing, who fired it into the open net. It's 2-0 Canucks. Canucks hold on to win 2-0 over the Dallas Stars, have now picked up points in seven straight games. 
Seven straight games, 8-2-1 on the season, matching the best start in franchise history through 11 games, which has happened two other times. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text them box, 650-650. And, uh, you know... It's a lot of fun seeing fans having fun, being excited about the team. You know, you obviously have people that are saying, oh, pump the brakes. Others saying, you know, I'm still waiting to see more before I commit fully. But the fact that you can have fun and you can let your mind go a little bit and and enjoy what you're seeing is just such a change from what we've seen last year. And, you know, we keep repeating this, but this matters. Getting off to a good start, even if you have some luck going your way, it makes your life easier. Why not just take it? If you get to a point by game 20, you're four, five, six points above the playoff bar. Again, I'll repeat this because I think it's important. If you're four points out of the playoffs, what, 90-some percent of the time you don't make the playoffs by American Thanksgiving? If you're like four to five points above the playoff bar, it's like 95% of the time you don't miss the playoffs. Doesn't guarantee anything, but if we're talking about numbers and regression and this and that, yada, yada, and hit markers, if the Canucks can get themselves there, that can be... A really positive spot. And right now, Bick, what all they're doing, and it's early to look at the standings, but they're creating a massive gap between themselves Huge. and their counterparts in the Pacific Division here. Huge gap. It, it, it cannot be overstated. Uh, again, your, your primary rivals for those spots. So we came into the season saying, hey, it's going to be Edmonton. It's going to be Calgary. And, and to be honest, Edmonton wasn't even in the conversation just because there was this expectation that they would you know, get to the second seed in the Pacific. But okay, let's throw them in the conversation right now. Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle. Well, you are, as it stands, seven points up, at least seven on all those teams. Yeah, Cracking your seven points up, plus you have a game in hand. You are ten points up on Calgary. Uh, you are... 12 points, points up on Edmonton who have a game in hand on you. But I really like that Monday's game really matters. It really matters. Okay. And I'm only saying this because I think you can shut the door on like the Oilers tomorrow. So if, the or, Canucks, uh, on Monday. Monday. if they beat the Oilers on Monday, they'll still have a game in hand, Edmonton will. But they'll you'll be 14, 14 points, points up. And you don't play Edmonton till late in the year, second to last game. So the Oilers won't have four-point games against you. And again, they, I mean, they have McDavid. They have Dreisaitl. It's one of those games where right now for Edmonton, their hole is becoming so big that they may have to go on a crazy run just to squeak into the postseason. It's worse than what Vancouver was doing last year. Yes. And now they have more talent, of course, but their goaltending looks absolutely horrific. And no matter what they do, they can't seem to stop goals going in against them. And that head coach is under a lot of duress. Like... I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a it's a bad question wondering that if the Canucks beat the Edmonton Oilers on Monday, does that force Edmonton into a decision on their coach? Like they're getting to the point now where their season is slipping so badly that any bad loss from this point on could lead to the coach getting fired. So I mean, it's so different from where Vancouver is and compared to both teams coming into the season, it was, you know, can Vancouver hang on to a playoff spot? And Edmonton it was how are they winning the cup? Can they win the cup? Are they getting past the Western Conference Final? Nobody d- doubted them making the playoffs. It was about, are you actually a cup-contending team? Can you win the Stanley Cup? And right now, uh, they're in a world of trouble. And considering the way Jake Woodcroft got outcoached against the Vegas Golden Knights, it's been a really bad run for him. So oftentimes, early in the season, the last couple of years, it's been talk about what's going to happen with the Canucks coach. Now there's a division rival coming in on Monday where the talk's going to be, is this coach going to survive this game tonight? And it's, it's, it's huge. It's part of the conversation. And, and by the way, I mean, shut the door on the Oilers catching up to you. Yes. Like, I, I still think the Oilers can make the playoffs. I, I know that's ludicrous to say. No, they can't. I mean, you have but, McDavid and Dreisel. I'm not counting out 
their chance to make. But in the suddenly postseason. making the playoffs in Pacific Division seed is a lot different than being a wild card team. Yes. And that's the conversation. So if you want to shut the door on, on a team like Edmonton catching up to you, because if we if we wake up Tuesday and it's sixteen point gap, I, I I don't care who's on your team. I don't know if you're making that gap up. It, reality. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. Like I, I don't disagree with that. And we talked about Vancouver too last year. You make that big of a hole, it's just really hard to get out of it. And we've seen that and and right now, the Canucks, well, they are in a very enviable position compared to some teams that they're fighting for in their division. Uh, a lot of love for Quinn Hughes here. Hughes is so good, controls the game. It's his game every night. Somebody else texted in and said uh, he was falling over a bit tonight, had a couple of moments. The ice in the Canucks end, well, I guess the um, the home side in the first period the play, the, where the Canucks played most of the game, it seemed like there was some trouble. Like some guys were, were tripping a little bit. Like I don't, I don't know if the yeah. ice was a hundred percent. I don't know how much I put that First on period Quinn. specifically. Yeah, yeah. But he had a couple of moments where he kind of he almost toe picked. You don't normally normally see that from Quinn. I would chalk it up to ice potentially. I, I'd love to say like the the biggest worry today was was Quinn Hughes managing the puck or skating right. a little bit. You know what's going to solve itself? That. Oh, I'm not worried about that that at all. And. The thing with Quinn, too, somebody else texted in and said, are we concerned about how much they're relying on Quinn, the minutes he's playing? He played 25 minutes tonight. On the other end, Miro Heiskanen played 26 minutes. Miro Heiskanen has been playing about 26 minutes a game the past few years. And the Dallas Stars make deep playoff runs. You know, and I think people have to reframe their views of franchise defensemen. Franchise demon can log these minutes. They can play 25, 26 minutes a game. Look at Kale McCarr. Look at Roman Yossi. All the top guys, Adam Fox, they're all in the 25, 26 minutes. Drew Doughty, Rasmus Dahlin. So I don't, for Quinn, and he's shown he can handle it, I'm not worried about his ice time. If he's playing 27 and he's like, he's number one by one or two minutes, okay. I'd be like, okay, you got to reel it back in. But the top end guys, the number one defensemen, they all play big minutes. And I don't think Quinn is going to have any trouble playing 24, 25 minutes again. Kale McCarr last year, 26, 23. There you go. Uh, a couple of years ago, Brent Burns, 26, 09. Seth Jones, 26, 13. Star Demon played 26 minutes. Drew Doughty and, and Thomas Shabbat, 26 minutes. They, they just routinely do it. Um, I, I, I'm not too concerned about it. No, neither am I. So I, I don't want to see 27 minutes every night. But, like, the other game that they, they, they played, what was it 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, I, I think you'll be able to find ways to manage the minutes. Uh, and right now, just bank the points. Like, bank the points and then try to uh, salt away their minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of love on the text inbox. And you know, Brett texted in and he says, Hey, boys, I did the double header today. Great day for Van Sports. Here's my take on the Canucks. The core is finally maturing. Biggest improvement. They're learning how to handle the moment. It was always um, going to take time to mat- for maturity to show this core will finally finally gets it and we have a coaching and management staff to support it. Love that PD bet on himself this year. Put that self-imposed tension on him to perform and he has. Q is top 3D in the league. This team feels aligned from all aspects of players, coaches, management and it feels like we could be entering a new era of Canucks hockey. I think that point on alignment is so important. I think one of the reasons why you see Rick Tockett be so comfortable is because he's got a mandate that he can be steadfast to and he has support he has job security and it's very clear that the coach and management are aligned in how they want the team to play and every move management's made has supplied him with players to allow them to play to the style they want to play it makes such a big difference like you bring Pew Suter and Lafferty Cole Susie we've gone through the list of players Heronic now they have guys to play roles they have guys who can execute the system they want them to play it was the phrase we talked about with Brett earlier, uh, Brett Festling. Um, 
guys just look role specific. Nobody looks like they're lost in their spot. And like you see, like last year we we talked about a guy like Connor Garland. Oh, he's found a role in the third line. Well, now you can say that about Pew Scooter. Now you can say that about like okay, Joshua tonight. To me, is the perfect example of we sat in there in the pregame. It's like. Don't pretend like we haven't created this role for you. Yeah. It might not be perfectly catered to your style, but Dakota Joshua can play the body. And when you're skating fast and you're playing the body, you'll you'll find your opportunity to do all the other things. Because Dakota Joshua's got some hands. He's got some ability. He can be a good forechecker. Plays on the penalty kill, obviously. So tonight he gets his assist, but it's the thing that I imagine Rick Talk is going to point out and say, seven hits. And it doesn't have to be seven all the time, but you have to have the presence that you're going to give seven hits tonight. Yeah. And if you're skating hard and putting yourself in the right spots to get those hits, then they'll naturally find your way. And, and that, to me, is a guy who's now, if if he plays like this, that's a role solved. Ian Cole, okay, it's, it's the third in minutes. I don't know if a lot of people would look at Ian Cole and say, okay, this is a natural number three D-man. Mm-hmm. But the things he's good at... He plays like a, a top-pairing D-man. Yes. It's breaking up the cycle. It's it's being smart in front of the net, making sure guys can't get to the the the, the areas to really bang home rebounds, pushes the puck away. Like, that sort of stuff, he's really good at. And so that's the role he plays. And so he and Mark Friedman right now, you get the puck. We're not asking you to skate. We're not asking you to make that stretch pass. Just make a quick play. And they're doing that. Well, you know what? We have time to run a little bit of player of audio. Um, we have Ian McIntyre coming in a little bit, but you mentioned Ian Cole. Not only has he been great on the ice, we've noticed in terms of our discussions with him, he's been a great talker as well, very engaging, and a really interesting guy to have an interview with and, and talk hockey with. And here he is, post-game, talking about how they beat a very good opponent tonight. Well, that's that's obviously a really good team over there, a team that's uh, very skilled, very uh, dialed into their team game, and has had a ton of success and won a lot of hockey. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's very good for us. Uh, I think we're happy with it, but... You know, again, it's what, 10 games, 11 games into the year. So if you're happy with it, we'll we'll find some stuff we need to work on and, and move forward. Did you just see that hit? Was it just too obvious not to pass up? I wasn't even thinking about it at first. I was just coming to lean down to like try to you know shrink the, the offensive zone. The puck squirted right to him, and he just didn't see me. So um, you know, originally I was going to play the puck, and I was like, oh, all right, well, body's here too. I guess I'll just take it. So. How do you think the team defended the crease tonight? It felt like there was a lot of bodies from Dallas kind of crashing in there. How do you think you guys? Yeah, they're they're one of the best teams at, at getting shots through, getting tips, getting a lot of bodies down there. And I mean, Favelski's, you know, in my mind, the best tipper in the league, among with a, a couple other guys in their team, are really good at it as well. So, you know, it's a unique challenge that they pose, and I, I think we handled it well. And that's Ian Cole talking about how they handled the, the tips in front of the net and how uh, to play this Dallas Stars team. You know, kind of echoes some of the things that uh, Rick Tockett was saying in his postgame availability as well. And he's a guy that, Cole is a guy that Tockett mentioned is very good at relaying the message and keeping guys mm-hmm. even-keeled because he's a very even-keeled player himself as well. So, of course, strong game from Ian Cole. He's getting a lot of uh, love here. And uh, people texting in saying Demko is also the wild card and that on-ice shooting percentage is not sustainable, but save percentage is more of a skill and could be. So Thatcher Demko, of course, tonight gets a shutout. And, you know, he he was on the verge of having back-to-back shutouts, essentially. You know, he was so close against the San Jose Sharks, wasn't able to get it that game. Was able to get it here tonight. Zach from Winnipeg says, huge Canucks fan. Only Canucks fan and the bar in Winnipeg tonight. Attaboy. <laughs> Demko is a real star. Coach T is doing a great job. Management has also done an excellent job. So Zach is spreading the love around. As far as Thatcher Demko is concerned, 
He's also stepping up as a leader. The team talked about when they named Quinn Hughes captain how Thatcher Demko also has a big voice and he's part of the leadership group. And here he is post game talking about how the guys played in front of him tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm proud of the group. I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, it just it feels great to to see that commitment level and. You know, you can tell guys are playing for one another, and uh, it's a special feeling when, when that kind of takes over the room. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited about tonight. We know we've been playing some good hockey. Obviously, we, we still have to continue to grow, and I think that's been uh, the message from the leadership group, and, um, you know, we still have a long way to go. So it's one game at a time, and, and enjoy tonight, but uh, get back to work. Zero, zero, you made that glove save. How tough was it not to overcommit the one side when the puck was coming back across? Yeah, I was just kind of hitting stuff and going every which way. So um, I yeah, just try to get something on it. Elias talked about being most proud of the fact that you know the team has stuck to what's made you guys successful in terms of the little details. Is that what you're seeing in front of you too, in terms of guys buying in and, and making the right? Yeah, the yeah. I mean, like I said, like you can just tell when guys want to play for each other and, and play to win. Um, it's a it's a fun feeling. It's it makes coming to the rink every day a lot of fun when when you're playing for your teammates and, and there's that camaraderie. So um, just the commitment to that through the, the second and third periods and you know not reaching at any point in the game, just staying the course and uh, that was great. From an individual perspective, is this as good or nearly as good as you felt in your career in terms of your own game and, and how happy you are with the way you're playing on it? I just really like winning, man. How, how much better do you think the team's ability to, you know, feels like the, a lot of the backdoor plays, you know, defense yeah. sticks in there? Yeah, it's been good uh, for sure. I mean, that's been a, a huge difference, um, especially in the PK. And um, I mean, you see at the end of the game, you know, they pull a goalie with like four minutes left and we're pretty much killing a penalty for four minutes. And I think they maybe got one shot. Um, it's just commitment to defense, commitment to, to blocking shots and um, making fantastic reads off each other and, and full kudos to the, the team for locking it down like that. What against a team like Dallas that comes in here with a seven-one and one record? Like it's feels like a little different to be another team top of the West. Yeah, I mean we were seven-two and one, so um, I think the confidence in this room is that we are that team. So um, yeah, it feels good to, to win, but obviously if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best teams in the league. And your personal record against Dallas is fantastic. You're seven zero and zero now. So do you draw on that a little bit going into a game like this? No, I didn't know that. Um, to fluky. That, that second period was not as good as you've seen your team play in front of you this season. I mean, you guys have asked me that question, I think, every time I've. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it was really good. I'm, I'm impressed with the uh, the improvements that we've made as a team, for sure. Is the consistency the most encouraging thing at this point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, uh, we got a lot of work to do. I mean, our, our game's in a great place, but the good teams continue to grow and continue to to get better and um, you know I think that's that's the mindset and the message going forward is you, you show up you do your work and then you look for ways to improve I just love winning man great answer sounding like uh, <laughs> Nuke Lelouch from uh, Bull Durham love winning you know how it's like better than losing <laughs> 100%. I, it just sums it up, doesn't it? Just, you know, how you feel about everything. Everything's just nicer when you win. And when you win the right way, it makes you feel better, too. Because you can't fool yourself. And when the Canucks play this way and they win, it just adds to that confidence and belief to continue to play and, and get better as a, as a team. And the effort they had tonight was really exemplary from start to finish. You can't fool yourself? 
Well, you can. I but do it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't. You can't really fool yourself. I don't think. I don't think. Some could, but maybe not. All right. All right. Uh, it is now time to welcome in the man we call the closer. He's a triple threat. For that reason, you watch him on TV, you hear him on radio, read him on digital. Digital. He is Ian McIntyre. Still fooling everybody. <laughs> So how much have you guys talked about J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, and Phil DiGiuseppe? Uh, not, not a ton, actually. We, honestly, we've, we've touched on practically every part of the organization because somebody wants to give praise to some part of the organization right now. We've oh. barely had time to touch on like... So please. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm here. Yeah. Perfect. Please. I thought that was one of J.T. Miller's best games oh. as the Canuck. Oh, he I love it. He didn't get a point. He didn't get a shot on net. But he and Besser and DiGiuseppe shut down one of the NHL's mm-hmm. best lines. And Rupi Hints did not have a shot on net. Joe Pavelski had one at even strength. Mm-hmm. And Jason Robertson had none at even strength, three on the power play. And uh, these guys, these three guys, are the most unlikely checking line you could have you could have imagined yeah. last season if you looked at where they were in their games. I mean, JT has always had it in him to to play a two way game, and at, at times we've seen him play great stretches of two way hockey for the Canucks. But of course, he also was prone to these lapses, and you know was was has been vilified many times for his lack of focus and and lack of back checking yeah. too. I mean, it was just the last home game. He had a little timeout because he took two bad penalties. Yeah. But look at how he's responded since then. And now he is has absolutely embraced this idea of going against the opposition's best players because J.T. Miller said it was one of the most satisfying wins that he's had as a Canuck. We were joking because somebody was texting in and saying, Hughes for Norris. Um, Elias Pettersson for the Art Ross, Demko for the Vesna, and Rick Tockett for the Jack Adams. I'm like, how about JT for Selkie? A joke, but performances like this, not to say Selkie, but you know, we were having fun with people texting in, and obviously the team is red hot, but he's playing legitimate shutdown two-way hockey. Yeah, it might not be a joke in April. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long way away, though. Yeah. So, so we'll see. But he has been doing this since Tockett sent him out against Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. On opening night, and he'll be out against Connor McDavid again. I mean, Pedersen does a lot of heavy lifting too. You know, tonight Pedersen was against Wyatt Johnson, who, who by the way, like this is an incredible error for the NHL. All the great young players. I'm not sure youth has ever been as valued in hockey as it is now. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there's more talented, let's say, under 23 players mm-hmm. in the league than we've ever seen. I would say Wyatt Johnson is one of the best guys who gets no publicity yeah. whatsoever. He's a great player. And and Pedersen went up against him a lot. And Pedersen goes, at least in the previous games against Edmonton, is going against Dreisaitl. So it takes more. This idea of matching up and playing well defensively, yeah. you can't, you're not going to get anywhere if it's only one line. And the Canucks have all their lines kind of bought, in, bought into this system. But it is remarkable just how well uh, Miller and, and then think of the other two guys I mean Brock Besser last year and we know that he was in just emotional turmoil mm-hmm. for two years 
but his his defensive numbers absolutely cratered last year. You know, he was a liability. Um, and he was a guy that I thought at the end of last season, even though Brock had started, had kind of turned a corner at that point in, in his life and coming to peace with the passing of his dad and was rededicating himself, had found his love for hockey again. Like that happened at the end of last season. But he was a guy I thought, I'm not sure he can really be a Rick Tockett player. Mm-hmm. You know, when Tockett talks so much about, you know, play along the boards and and forechecking and digging in and, all, you know, all this stuff. And, and you know, that's not what we've known Brock to be, even when he's been playing well. he's He's been such a creative player and a, a really smart player and a finisher. He wasn't mm-hmm. more of these gritty things. And now look at how he has adapted his game to make himself a better player and and talks openly about, you know, how much better he had to be at using his body. And he doesn't run over people mm-hmm. like Ian Cole did, although he will run into people now and lean into them. But he uses his body so well. And we saw that, that he was out there, Brock, it, with a minute to go mm-hmm. and... and Dallas pressing and the net empty. And then the third guy on the line is Phil DiGiuseppe. And, you know, I don't think any of us uh, is are surprised that DiGiuseppe works his ass off every game. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a guy who's 30 years old and still trying to be a regular NHL player, finally getting a chance to be again. He was earlier in his career for long stints. But this time last year, Phil DiGiuseppe was in the minors and was more than a year removed from having played an NHL game and mm-hmm. didn't know when or if he would get another chance with this organization. Then he got called up, I believe, right after the coaching yeah. change. But look at you know what he's done since he got the oppor- opportunity. And these are the three guys that not only are now going against the other team's best players pretty much on a nightly basis, but are flourishing, are mm-hmm. actually... Not, yeah. not only surviving, flourishing. They're yeah. winning these matchups. You know, Miller and Besser, and and I haven't broken down. And we know that a lot of this is power play, but it's not all power mm-hmm. play. We've got twenty nine points between them. The plus minus, which has no, uh, zero power play, and I know it's an imperfect stat, but it's an easy one to pick up right now. Are they're plus seventeen combined, and that's wasn't all the ten one no. game in 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 San Jose either. So. I, I think it's it's remarkable what those three guys are doing. I think JT Miller's playing the best hockey of his life. I think Brock Besser's playing the best hockey of, of his life. And and Miller made the point post game that, that they know now that they can get they, they can create get offense by playing well defensively. But mm-hmm. even if they get none that line, there's enough talent on this team that if they do their job defensively there's enough talent for the team still to win, and that's what happened tonight. You know, the Pedersen got a goal, Suter, and of course Thatcher Demko. You can't you can't underestimate his impact and what he did in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that Philip Horna kind of highlight tonight. That you know, it, it feels like Queen Hughes took in so much of the shine. I like that Philip Horna had that no look pass. Everyone can just look and say like, "Oh right, like hey, this guy," and and he's he's been kind of overlooked maybe a little bit because of how much Hughes had done, eight points in the past couple of games. But I like that he had his moment. It's like, oh, man, this guy's pretty good, too. 
Yeah, he's just a really good defenseman, and and I think he's a number two defenseman. If those numbers are are superb, um, I think it's a stretch to say that they have two number ones, and I, I don't know that anyone's really said that. But I think he's I think he's a, a, a legit number two defenseman, and that that pairing together has has just been special. But Ronick does, uh, you know, in in. Well, I was going to say in a couple of cases, he does things better than Hughes does. And that I shouldn't phrase it that way because it implies that somehow Hughes isn't doing something right. well enough. And right now, Hughes could be the Norris Trophy winner. But there are, there are elements to Ronick's game that I don't think get enough attention. And one of them is how, and it was Adam Foote who pointed this out to me when I was asking him about playing Ronick with Hughes, and this was a, a conversation I had with Foot on the last long road trip. Um, how tight the gaps are with Philip Ronick. How he uses his his skating. I mean, they, they're both great skaters, but very yeah. different kind of skaters. Hughes and Ronick, but Ronick's a great skater too, and he uses his speed to maintain a tight gap. And then he has such an active, heavy stick. You know, he's not a huge guy, but he's got a heavy stick, and he breaks up. Uh, so many plays and starts transition that way, uh, but we've seen that he can he can rifle the puck on the power play. He can uh, skate and get up in the attack uh, like Quinn does, but I, I just don't think he's felt like he needs to do it as much because Quinn is doing it so well. But I, I also think that that's a pairing, and and we're now uh, eleven games in, right? Like. When this started, it was well. It's it's fine for now, but they'll mm-hmm. have to break them up because how how can they not? You know, you have your two best guys mm-hmm. playing together on a on a blue line that is still sort of seen as maybe the weak link on this yeah. team. That you get, you're going to have to spread them out. Well, eleven games in, they're still together, and when you talk to them, they both talk about still being fairly new to each other Mm -hmm. and that whatever they're doing now if they stay together they're going to be way better in the middle of the season and then and then by the end of the season but it was a great play by by ronan well really clever pass smart pass it really was and you know he he showed his uh, hockey iq which i think is something that you know he should get credit for and how he's played but yeah i mean from there and and dallas they had a bit of a coverage if it wasn't a breakdown, it certainly was a coverage hesitancy. They gave him too much room, and mm-hmm. nobody nobody moved to take to take away that space. Yeah, and and credit to Ronick for utilizing that space for for skating downhill. But the way Ottinger was playing, even though he was what like thirty feet uncontested, mm-hmm. you're probably not beating Jake Ottinger tonight mm-hmm. on an uncontested contested shot from thirty feet. And so, you know, he made a made a really clever play. I'm not sure it was total no look. I think he kind I, of glanced over. We'll give it to him, but I, I do. I'm with you. Like there was the one angle from below the net. It does look like he looks over. Yeah. But, yeah. but nevertheless, but and a smart play from Pedersen too, mm-hmm. because you have to you have to go to the space and you have to put your stick down and be ready. A hundred percent. Because it's got to be off your stick in a hurry if it comes to you, and it did. And and it was a beautiful goal. I think. So far, it's hard to think of anything, anyone who's been added, who hasn't exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lafferty's you know, been great. You know, whether it's the number two defenseman who we knew was going to mm-hmm. play, you know, 23, 24 minutes, or whether it's 
you know, Sam Lafferty and and uh, uh, Friedman uh, on defense, or or DeSmith and goal, and who else am I missing? Carson Susie. Carson, yeah, and a little bit difficult for him at the start, yeah. but he missed you mm-hmm. know some time at the end of training camp, started pre uh, started regular season. We know how important that time is because everyone's getting better almost. Yeah daily at that stage of the season and he's not he's not playing he's not able to participate but i think he's i, I think he's been really good and of course ian cole mm-hmm. who i didn't mention and, and has been just kind of a beast for them it's, from the start it's really just like anthony bovillier but even he was really good when he first arrived and and he's getting better now too yeah yeah and, and i'm thinking more about like the like know, the, 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 yeah. the guys who have been added laterally and i put ronick in that group just because he only played four games yeah. last year, those players yeah. are more targeted. Whereas Bovilli was just part of a, a, a move. Yeah, and let's and well, I mean, let's face it that that they had to take money back, mm-hmm. and Bovillier was the money that yeah. the Islanders wanted the Canucks to take back. But you you still just can't take dead money. You still mm-hmm. have to feel like you're going to have an asset, even if he's he's not going to be a player for you. He's a player that someone will want. And you can leverage that at a, at a trade deadline, but he did have lots of time here last year, so he doesn't. To me, he doesn't feel like yeah. one of the new guys. Philip Ronick, because of all the time he missed with injury, still feels almost like he's new to the team this season. Uh, just before we wrap up, to your point about Philip Ronick and, and Quinn Hughes, one of the reasons I think they can survive with those guys together is with the overall team play with how much they help with the breakouts and you know as a five-man unit the forwards are so good at getting back being available but it's really interesting how the coach is handling who he throws a defenseman out with in this game for instance jt miller played 752 with philip heronic he played seven minutes with quinn hughes elias Patterson played about four minutes with quinn and his ice time was spread throughout the rest of the defense. And we know how good Pedersen is getting back in his own zone, helping with the breakout. So I think they've been really smart with how they're using their deployment and putting Pedersen with those other D-men a lot, where he takes a bigger responsibility in the breakouts, having McKayev there as well. And I think with how they're doing the five-man unit, but also how they're deploying it, allows them to not only survive, but excel when they don't have Hughes and Hronik out there as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And and as I said a few minutes ago, even though Pedersen isn't the matchup guy per se, clearly Miller and that line is is the first choice for Tockett. The NHL is is the NHL. And yeah. If you're playing any half decent team, it's going to require more than one. And and Dallas has three really good lines. You know, Dallas is kind of you know, I don't know if traditional is is the right word, but they're the team that that kind of everyone wanted to, and now it's changing a bit, but everyone has always wanted to have a team with three lines that can score and then a very um, identi- uh, identifiable, role-aware fourth line mm. of guys who can skate and provide energy. And, and Dallas is, is very much like that. You know, they've, you know, losing Duchesne hurt them, and hopefully Duchesne is okay. That was a big hit he took uh, mm-hmm. from from Ian Cole. But I think uh, I, I think that it's hard to find anything that Talkett has done wrong. You know, and and even at times when things could backfire, and that's usually during difficult situations. So the really the the only terrible game they've had was the one in Philadelphia. But look what Talkett said. Yeah. You know, he questioned. He used the word soft, although he didn't technically, didn't yeah. call the players soft. As I say, no offense. <laughs> and uh, said that he didn't have one skater 
that that he thought was engaged that night. I mean, that's you. You can be on thin ice, so to speak, as a coach when you start using mm-hmm. the word soft with your players. But look how the team responded. Yeah. And then Talkett, I think, deserves a lot of credit because not only did he get the team to respond, and they had a very constructive meeting the day after, but he then retreated and he because he knew that he had said a lot and probably if he was on sodium pentothal to use a brian burke line <laughs> he probably would say he said too much or wishes he hadn't said everything that he said that yeah. night but he took a step back to give them space and and look at what's happened since then and then you can use smaller examples the individual example of course that's that's still fairly recent is benching jt miller who has been their well, maybe Pedersen's yeah. now taking over. These are legal points all the Until that yeah. game, I was still saying that JT had been had been their best forward. But they've got two guys playing at all-star level right now. But, you know, at that point, to to sit JT Miller down, given his history, knowing how emotional he is, and also knowing how well he had played for the Canucks to that point, you know, that that. well, talk to Miller in the second intermission, and then let him start the third. And then Miller goes out and gets a big goal against Nashville. So it's hard to find anything that Talkett is doing wrong these days. No, certainly. And uh, as always, Ian, great insight. We appreciate it. Uh, we've gone over time a little bit here, but hey, when the team wins and has success... That's what happens when I show up late. No, it, it's all good. And it's also, you know, when... There's more to talk about, more good things to talk about and break down. We appreciate your time as always. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. i got to ask you, what's in the uh, little goat box here? That looks like food. Uh, I don't know. Chicken strips and fries? Oh, it hasn't been touched. You want to have it? Chicken strips yeah, and fries. Yeah, has not been yeah. touched. You there guys you go. in radio get everything. Hey, what was the snack you tweeted uh, last week? Something Se- Seaweed strips yeah. over oh. in the press box. Seaweed strips. Oh, yeah, you like seaweed strips. I do. Yeah. I do. I, 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 pre- that. I prefer it around sushi. Yes, but, but I'll eat it on its own as well. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah, good. yeah. Sometimes, you know, depending on what's available, you eat whatever they, they put in front of you here and here at the rink. Uh, great stuff as always, Ian. Appreciate your time. Look forward to chatting with you on Monday when the Canucks face the lowly Edmonton Oilers in the standings. <laughs> Who would have thought that? Through actually, really years. quickly, is 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 that a big game? Just because you have a chance yeah. to kind of like seal the door on yeah. Edmonton? As I said on, on the post-game show uh, from San Jose, I think all these games, they, they set up to be some kind of barometer. Like, and and mm-hmm. you know what? Even though the schedule's been tough, this has worked in Talkett's favor. There's a lot to, there's a lot to yeah. sell yeah. about e- each of these matchups to his club. And, you know, you go from Nashville where they won, they didn't play well, and then they play a non-NHL team in San Jose and score 10. So that was a response to not playing well against Nashville and kind of was predictable. I don't think the 10 was. Mm-hmm. But then how do they respond to that? Well, now they go from winning 10-1 against a non-opponent to winning 2 nothing, like yeah. a polar opposite kind of game right. against one of the best teams in the conference. And now they get Edmonton again before they go on the road and show off to the rest of Canada. Yeah, and, and maybe just maybe they'll see how good Quinn Hughes is. We look forward to that and also the rest of this Canucks team. That's Ian McIntyre. Thanks to Bick Nazar, who will be back on the People Show on Monday and also the post game show and intermissions. Special thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf, Fast Eddie Gregory, and thank you all for listening and participating in the show, especially those calling in and texting in. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we look forward to the next Canucks broadcast. This has been Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.